It's happening. Bill Belichick interviewed for the Falcons head coaching vacancy to be the 19th head coach in Falcons history. And we're going to break everything down on today's show. Before we get to all the news and rumors surrounding Belichick to the Falcons, reminder to subscribe to the channel. We've been growing like a weed over the last month or so. We are closing in on 18,000 subscribers. So when the inevitable news drops, the Falcons are hiring their next head coach. You don't want to miss a thing, which is why you got to be subscribed to the channel. Welcome into Falcons Today by Chat Sports. Matthew Peterson here reacting to the news, which is the Atlanta Falcons have conducted an interview with Bill Belichick to be their next head coach. And the first thing I thought when I saw this tweet was, I really hope Arthur Blank did not sit down with Bill Belichick and say, tell me about a time you overcame an obstacle. Because that could lead to a bit of an awkward response and in, in, in conversation. But let me just say it right now, and I've been saying it for a couple of days and almost two weeks at this point, Bill Belichick is such a Falcon. I don't know how else I can say it. I don't have to dance around this. There's no PD's take here. To me, it's black and white. Bill Belichick will be the next head coach of your Atlanta Falcons. You might not like that. I'm not standing here today to say I'm a Belichick stand and truther, and I think this is a great move for the Falcons but I can at least separate what I want versus what I think is going to happen. And what I think is going to happen is Arthur Blank fired Arthur Smith because he saw a roster and a division that was ready to win. I mean, he just saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win a playoff game because they won nine games this year, and they got to host a playoff game. And Arthur Blank is probably sitting there going, that could be us. We could have won a playoff game. We could be going to Detroit. We could be one win away from playing in the NFC Championship game, and then you're down to the Final Four and anything can happen. And all I need is the right man at the wheel. And I'm looking at all the head coaching candidates right now, and there's only one that's won six Lombardi trophies as an NFL head coach. So with the completed interview, Belichick joins Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan, Ravens DC Mike McDonald, 49ers DC and former Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes, Panthers defensive coordinator Ejero Evero, and then Ravens defensive line coach and assistant head coach Anthony Weaver at six completed interviews. Now, the Falcons cannot hire Belichick tomorrow. They still have to comply with the Rooney rule, which is two external in-person interviews. These have all been virtual interviews with the exclusion of Brian Callahan and Ejero Evero because the Niners and the 49ers are still in the playoffs, which means those interviews were done over, I guess, Zoom. But in my brain, Belichick is the head coach. I mean, they're going to do all the external interviews they need to do, but I believe Arthur Blank has found his guy, and it's Bill Belichick. Now, the only thing that's going to stop this from happening is I don't think it'll be on the Falcons' end. It might be on Bill Belichick's end. What if Mike McCarthy gets fired in the next 30 minutes and Jerry Jones calls Belichick and says, you want to inherit a team that's won 12 straight games in three, in three straight seasons? He might go, hmm, that's a better opportunity. And if that happens, I'll eat crow and I'll be wrong. But for now, as long as no other vacancy pops up, I think Belichick is going to be the, the next head coach of the Falcons. And I am skeptical. Don't get me wrong. I'm not standing here acting like this is going to be the best decision in Falcons history. They might be chasing something that is long gone. 
And Belichick might have had the game pass him by with the way that offenses and defenses have progressed since the mid-2000s and up until Tom Brady left Foxborough. So I'm skeptical. Don't get me wrong. But I can at least rally around this. You give Bill Belichick a great offensive line. And it is a very good offensive line. Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom, Drew Dahlman, some of the best at their position. If Matthew Bergeron is the worst guy on your offensive line, there are a lot of other teams that would love to have your offensive line. You add in young skill players, B. John Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, a rising defense, and we know Belichick can take a defense that doesn't have a whole bunch of superstar free agency money spent on it and turn it into a top 10 defense. A guy that can take day three draft picks and make them Pro Bowl caliber players. So you take a defense that in my mind ranked somewhere between 12 and 18 last year, like in the middle third of NFL defenses. Oh, and you have a top 10 pick in this upcoming draft, which is littered with quarterback talent. I think Bill Belichick could probably do pretty well under those parameters. Don't you agree? I understand that what he's done in New England the last couple of years is not the most encouraging coaching job, but I'm not going to forget the guy that won six Super Bowls. So for that reason, I can sell myself on Belly coming to Atlanta. But let me know, do you want Bill Belichick? Yes or no? Be honest with me. I never thought we would, I literally never thought we would ever have this conversation, but here we are. The Falcons have interviewed Bill Belichick. Do you want him to come down to ATL? Get in the comment section, yes or no. Let's talk a little bit more about his background. So we all know who Bill Belichick is, but I think there are some important details that need to be relayed, which is Belichick is 15 wins away from tying Don Shula, Miami Dolphins, all-time greatest coach, from their win record, his win, rec win record at 347. 16 wins away from holding the record. So in some ways, he is two eight and nine seasons from becoming the winningest coach in NFL history. And that is what he is chasing. And he can do that at a handful of teams. It might not be all in one or two years, definitely not one, but two to three seasons, he can probably get there with a bunch of teams right now. But there is something to be said about what has Belichick done since Tom Brady left? Because that divorce, divorce is a strong word. That separation, it has benefited one party way more than the other. Belichick is 29 and 38 since Brady left to go to Tampa Bay, and we all know what happened next. Meanwhile, Belichick has one playoff appearance. He nearly had two playoff appearances if Jacoby Myers didn't uh, realize he's not on the Raiders just yet before handing them the football at the end of the game. So Belichick, I understand right now, is not smelling the best, but he's got a resume that's the greatest in NFL history in my eyes. 17 division titles, nine AFC championships. Just imagine being a Patriot. Like, just nine times. You're like, we're going to be a Final Four team. Unbelievable. 12 Super Bowl appearances, and that goes back to when he was a DC with the uh, New York Giants and helped them win some Super Bowls. 21 winning seasons. Arthur Blank has owned the team since 2002, and he's got nine winning seasons. And Belichick's got 21. He's also the only team to ever go 16-0. Now, the big question that I think needs to be asked is, do you trust Bill Belichick, to develop a young quarterback or inherit Justin Fields, who isn't as you know young as some of the rookies that are going to be drafted in a couple months. Because if you don't think Belichick is the right guy to take on a young QB, which I don't think he did all that great of a job with Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, 
then Belichick, simply put, might not be the best man for the job because that's the direction the Falcons are headed. The Falcons are not a team with a veteran QB that just needs the right coach to push the right buttons, right? They need a, co a coach to come in that can develop and bring up a rookie quarterback or a soon-to-be fourth-year quarterback in Justin Fields because this draft class is loaded. The Falcons are, unless they pull off a blockbuster trade, are likely going to miss out on Caleb Williams and Drake May. But Jane Daniels could very well be there at number eight. I've seen a lot of mock drafts go where Daniels is not selected until the Falcons at eighth overall. Or if you think you might miss out on those top three guys and you like Michael Penix or Bo Nix or J.J. McCarthy, does Belichick look like a coach that can take one of those QBs and get you over the hump in a very short time? Or do you want to go trade for Justin Fields, something we have talked about for a long time on the show? And if you do trade for Justin Fields, is Belichick a good coach to pair with the young, athletic, mobile quarterback that does not fit what the Patriots' offense was for so many years under Tom Brady, right? And even under Mac Jones, like, they didn't have the running threat that Justin Fields brings. So these are big questions, and these are important questions to ask, to ask and for Arthur Blank and uh, the rest of the Falcons search committee to figure out whether or not Belichick is the right man for the job. Now, we're going to have some more coverage to get to in just a moment, but I do want to highlight our terrific sponsor today, which is Prize Picks. Thanks to Prize Picks, I had an absolute blast watching football all season long, and I'm still raking in some of the dough during the playoffs as well. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Prize Picks, let me get you up to speed. All you do is select two to six players, check, then pick more or less on their projected stats. So here are my selections for divisional round matchups. I'm taking the less on Jordan Love for the Packers. They shocked the Cowboys, but they're not going to shock the 49ers in my eyes. I like the less there. I like the more on George Kittle's receiving yards. 52 and a half with two weeks of rest. I think Kittle can get that done. And then I like the more on David Montgomery's rushing yards at 57 and a half. He was a beast against the Rams just a few days ago, and I like him on the more against the upcoming Buccaneers in the divisional round. So go to prizepicks.com slash CLNS and use code CLNS for a first-time deposit match up to $100. I put that link in the comments and description of today's video, Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I want to wrap up the show with some awards that the Falcons announced themselves earlier today, and the first one being Offensive Player of the Year, which went to rookie running back B. John Robinson. Now, Robinson unfortunately did not break Tyler Algier's single-season rookie rushing record, but he still put up some monster numbers, right? Eight total touchdowns. He flashed as a receiver 487 yards. He came up 24 yards shy of 1,000 yards in his rookie season, and ultimately, he had a weird stretch where he wasn't in Arthur Smith's uh, doghouse, but there were some bizarre points of the season where he was just not getting enough usage. And once they went to number seven, they had some more success. Defensive player of the year, Jesse Bates. This is a no-brainer. I mean, this is beyond just the Falcons roster. Jesse Bates played an all-pro level, and the fact that he was not first-team all-pro is an absolute scam. Jesse Bates, 132 tackles, 11 pass breakups, 6 interceptions, and 3 forced fumbles. 9 interceptions and forced fumbles combined 
Talk about an absolute home run, A-plus, grand slam, 300 at the bowling alley signing in Jesse Bates. Rookie of the year for the Falcons is Matthew Bergeron. I always find these ones a little funny. Like, how can you be offensive player of the year as a rookie and also not be rookie of the year? But whatever. Matthew Bergeron, second year, uh, second round pick out of Syracuse. And I thought we saw a lot of improvement and growth out of Bergeron as the season went along. I did not expect Bergeron to step on the field and be a all-pro, Pro Bowl-type offensive lineman in his first season in the NFL. But Bergeron wrapped up the year with a 59.5 overall PFF grade. He ranked in the top half of all qualifying guards. And as far as expectations go, I don't know if you can be much more happier than that. Like, if you were expecting him to be a Pro Bowl-level guard, you were going to be disappointed. But Bergeron in year one showed this is a guy that you can have on your offensive line for four to, I mean, second kind of contract type of player in year one, hopefully continues to rise and improve. Bergeron showed a lot of really good things in his first season. The rising star for the Falcons is Nate Landman. I mean, we've all heard this before, that it's about staying ready so that when you get that opportunity, you make the most of it. And Nate Landman was tossed in the starting lineup in Week two, once Troy Anderson went, went down with a season-ending injury, and he made the most of his opportunity. He wrapped up the season with 110 tackles, seven tackles for loss, two sacks, three forced fumbles, and one interception. I mean, don't wait to get ready. Stay ready so that when your number is called, you are ready. Now, I want to wrap up the show by asking this question. Who do you think was the most underappreciated player from 2023? I thought Drew Dahlman had a fantastic season. He looked like an undoubted top 10 center in my eyes. Chris Lindstrom, I mean, offensive linemen tend to rarely get enough appreciation. So let me just say right now, Chris Lindstrom is an undoubted top five guard in my eyes. And the Falcons have one of the best interior offensive lines in the NFL. That's going to do it for us on today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we will sign off and we will see you guys later with maybe a Bill Belichick breaking news announcement. Thank you.